Welcome to the New Author Podcast with your hosts, Jerry Evanoff and Lindsay Evanoff. The super siblings will take you through their days as they write, publish, and market their books. They'll talk about their successes, their mistakes, and everything in between. And occasionally, they'll veer off into tangents that will most likely be discussion of which episode of The Office is their favorite. Seriously, they talk about The Office a lot. So sit back, relax, and prepare to be educated and entertained, but mostly entertained. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the New Author Podcast. Today is May 1st, 2022. As you said to me a few minutes ago before we started recording, it's May. Can you believe it? <laughs> um, this is episode number 164. I am one of the hosts of this podcast, Jerry Evanoff, and with me is Rich Casey. Rich, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jerry. It's been a great week. Relaxing oh, week. Oh, good. Yeah, relaxing week. I got some, actually met some deadlines, which I'll talk about, which is really good. Uh, didn't know up until the last minute whether that was going to happen or not, but... Uh, Oh, yeah. Nice. So anytime you meet a deadline or anytime I meet a deadline, it's a good week. Yeah. It feels good, right? Yes. Yeah, well, good. I don't know. I'm going to talk about that too. <laughs> okay, good. Um, all right. For me, um, I'm just going to make a update the people real quick on what they might hear in the background as we were doing this podcast today. I decided to put one of those, you know, on my list of running things to do, I've mentioned for weeks now, I was getting a screen door from my back door so the dog can run in and out. And instead of spending a couple hundred dollars on one, I actually bought one of those magnetic ones off of Amazon for like 25 bucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I hung it today, like two hours ago. And my dog is afraid of everything, right? He is petrified of anything that he doesn't know. So when he sees something in the front window and wants to go outside and bark, I don't know what he's going to do because when he goes back there, like he's back there right now, he's like sniffing the door. He's not sure what to do with it. So he may right. cry because he can't get out the back door, even though he can, if he just kind of pushes on it. So we'll see how this goes. It's going to be an interesting podcast. So, oh, wait, wait. Did, oh, oh. No, I thought he went outside, but he didn't. Okay. Did, did you show him how to use it? That he had to push I, on it? I did. I So I closed the big door and then he saw something out front. So I went back there with him and I opened the door. When I opened the door, he didn't hesitate. He just ran through because he didn't realize it was there. And it was a screen, so it didn't hurt him. And he just pushed through it. He literally pushed uh, through it. Oh, but okay. then he wouldn't come back in. Wait, nope. See, he's still not. He doesn't know what to do. Yeah, see, he's, he, he's confused. Yeah, he'll see something out there and get him excited and he'll forget yeah. about it and just go right yeah. through it. So if I get up and walk away from the video while we're podcasting, you know what I'm doing. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, all right. So those are, that was that was my little. I like to have like little talks every now and then during the podcast, just to let people know who we are. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Sure. Um, little banter. I think Lindsay and I called it banter. Um, all right. So let's well, get into my stats. They're Oops. certainly not tuning in for any advice or anything. So yeah, I don't know what else. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be us that are interesting and not the actual writing advice. That's um, right. <laughs> All right. So book one, my stats, book one of the murder mystery. I'm at, I'm at up 533 words to 51,931. That is, uh, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot. Uh, it, it was good. It was a good week in terms of that, that writing. Um, I've talked about this before. I do have some science fiction books that I started, uh, about 65% of the way with done with book three of my series that I, I started working on, got away from it and just decided to write this murder mystery book four I actually started accidentally. I got a couple of chapters done in that one. Uh, Mailer Light, I'm still hanging tight at 860. I've done nothing to change this in the last few weeks. So I don't expect that to change until I start sending out uh, newsletters. And then in terms of last week's goal, I wanted to finish the reread of chapter eight, uh, up through chapter eight, and then get back into editing my chapters, um, which I did. Uh, I, I wanted to get through chapter 12. That's right. I want to get through chapter 12 last week. Um, I think I was at nine, chapter nine at the time, and I actually got farther. I think I got through 14, uh, which is good. A couple of chapters were a lot easier than I thought they would be. 
Um, basically what I'm doing now is just going through and revising those chapters based on notes I took while I was plotting. So some of them didn't have any notes. So I just read through it, made a couple changes here and there, and then called it finished. But some of them had a lot of notes. I think chapter nine was a long one. It had, it had a lot of notes on it. So, uh, yeah, so that was a good week. So how about you? Well, this week I finally got book one out the door to the developmental editor, uh, C more, um, which you, I think he's told me is down in Brazil or someplace. I Last America. time I talked to her, she was, yeah, she was moving right. from, I think, Spain to Brazil. Yeah. Right. Well, it, it went out the door at 64,254, which is probably down about a thousand or so uh, from the last time I, I talked about the word count. Uh, the problem is, as soon as it went out the door, actually, I had a hard time shoving it out the door to begin with, because when, when you get right to the crunch and you're going over it, you, you suddenly realize how much you hate it and how bad the story is and how you <laughs> how much more you could do and what could be fixed and but I actually you know swallowed my pride I guess is what it amounts to and shoved it out the door sent it to her Tuesday night which was probably about a day earlier than what she really expected it but if I had to guess when it comes back it will probably need another 10 to 20k words in order to actually flesh out the story because what happened in retrospect is I spent way too much time on the editing and the rewrites in the front part of the story because I wanted to make sure everything was set up right and that you know I, I had fleshed out the characters and things but then at about somewhere around the halfway point of the story it started to get uh, I guess for lack of a better word thin in in my estimation uh, the story was still there but I kind of dropped a lot of the scene or setting development and i did not i actually dropped some some pov characters without really describing why they went away uh in in detail or not or not really giving a reason for why they would go away they just suddenly stopped appearing in the story and i started focusing more on the main characters and you know that's not ideal if, if you've got characters that are pov in the first part of the book if they are going to go away there's got to be a reason for them to go away so I think this, I'm probably going to end up putting, my guess would be probably five, four or five dip more chapters in at least in order to explain some of those disappearances. Uh, it went out at about, I think it was 31 chapters. So I'm probably by the time I'm done with this, it'll be 35, 36 chapters. Uh, she's going to have it back to me by Wednesday, she said. So oh, nice. the question is whether or not I'm going to have enough uh, courage to actually look at it when she sends it to me or if I'm going to... Uh, kind of avert my eyes, put it in the corner and try to slog through on, on a different project that I've already started. Uh, well, we'll have to wait till the middle of the week and see how I'm feeling with that. That, um, that sounds like every time I would send, especially early on, I would send something off to my mom because my mom was doing the kind of a developmental edit. And it was just, when she sent it back, it was like, oh, if I open this up and look at it, I know I'm gonna spend way too much time looking at it. And there are times I'm gonna be like, come on, I know I did that right, but I'm gonna to have to trust her because she's probably right. right. And yeah, it's, it, what do you, do you have any expectations at all? Um, in, in the sample of writing I sent her, you know, she liked my writing and, and the sample that I sent her was pretty indicative of, of my writing throughout the whole book. Uh, except for the fact, like I said, it started to get a little bit thin towards the end. So I don't think the, the actual writing itself is going to be as much of a problem as the structure of the story. I think, uh, and since she was a script doctor at one point, I think, I think she'll come back, I hope she'll come back with a lot of uh, suggestions about how I can uh, make this a, a, better, a better story, a more gripping story, one that flows a little bit better throughout its whole length. 
but but we'll see. You know, I really don't have any big expectations. It's the first time I've asked anybody to do a developmental edit on anything I've I've written. And you know, it's partly it's like I said earlier, it's partly a pride issue. Uh, it's part of the reason I really don't have been uncomfortable with even having my wife read my stuff because you know it's not. You know, they say this about all authors that by the time you're done writing something, you really you don't like it. You realize all the shortcomings. Uh, you know, it's not as good as what was in your head. You didn't quite transfer onto paper what you were thinking. And, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see how I stand up to that kind of not criticism, but how I'll stand up to her actually pointing out to me the flaws that are there. I've got a pretty thick skin. You know, I, I spent 25 or 30 years in academics doing academic publishing and, you know, you get nothing but criticism for papers that you submit for journals. So I've got pretty thick skin, but, you know, this is completely different uh, than, you know, somebody telling you that, well, you really should have done this in the experiment and, you know, maybe done, you know, analyzed it this way or whatever. This is saying, this will say something like, you know, the story is garbage, maybe, you know, that's a potential. She might actually come back and say that. Uh, I, I doubt she, she's going to say the story is garbage. No, I, I don't think she will. I mean, she, in her email, she sounds too nice to actually do yeah. that. Uh, she'll find a constructive way to suggest a, a path forward. So I guess I'm looking forward to that. See what happens with that. Uh, other than that, uh, this week I managed to read one book. Like I said, I did, basically took it easy. After that thing went out the door on Tuesday, I decided I would give myself a couple of days off, not really do any writing or thinking about writing or anything like that. I did do some reading though. I read a book of short stories. Actually, yeah, they're short stories, but they're probably range like between seven and 10,000 words each um, called Secrets and Lies by Christine Catherine Rush. It's a series of detective mystery stories, which was pretty good actually. Um, one or two of those I had read before. Uh, this was one of the books that she had given away and one of the Kickstarters that her and Dean were doing. Uh, that was, I think it was like 450 some pages. So my total books read for the year, I, I count now as 16 uh, for 5,509 pages. A uh, little bit below where I should be at this point if I'm going to get 50 books read. But I still think uh, I still think that's probably doable, especially once summer rolls around. I seem to read a lot more in summer, maybe because I'm stuck indoors in the air conditioning yeah. <laughs> like, we, like we talked about earlier. Uh, Fire of the Brown, I, I watched very few Fire of the Browns this week. Three, I think it was. Uh, I'm down to 40 that are left. Uh, mainly because I got sidetracked watching some other things. I, I think I mentioned last week the the uh, uh, mystery detective story called Shakespeare and Hathaway. It's, kind of, it's a cozy mystery kind of thing. Um, I started watching some of those. They dropped the second season, 2022. They had like a year or two off because of COVID. Uh, I really enjoy that. So we we've been watching those. And also, there's another show that we that's been going on for I think maybe 30 years, maybe more. It's called Landward. It's a show about rural Scotland and the outdoors in Scotland. And they dropped a new season uh, just last week for 2022. At least uh, I think they dropped two seasons a year, an early season and a later season. And they have a lot of episodes. They're about an hour, 45 minutes long or so. And it just wow. takes you out, out into the rural areas. It, uh, it talks it talks with farmers, talks about the issues on the land, talks about, you know, tourism, all kinds of things. It's, it's really engaging. And, you know, since I love Scotland anyways, it's a it's an interesting thing to, to watch. So those are the two things that have kind of de de uh, taken me away from Father Browns. And, you know, after watching 60 Father Browns, you know, you, you tend to need to have a little break. <laughs> it's not like Perry Mason's with you. You know, I can't just plow through them all without getting uh, a little bit bored with it. Yeah, I plowed and, through this so fast. Yeah, yeah. 
And then the other, the other thing that is my pen and inks have basically gone nowhere this, this week. I did, I maybe picked it up once or twice and do it, did a little bit of doodling, but, uh, nothing important. So that's basically it for my stats. Okay. I'm interested in hearing your last week's recap because I have a question for you sure. about something you said last week. So we'll wait. That's, okay. that's my tease. That's my professional okay. broadcaster tease right there. Um, I have, and I, I was surprised I didn't hear it in your stats. So that's why I'm going to ask you about it. Um, oh, I may have forgot to put something in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of speaking of last week's re recap, let's go into mine here. Um, so Monday I went, so my week was all screwy. Um, it wasn't like normal weeks because my golf league started last week and uh, I had a Tuesday night golf league, a Wednesday night golf league. And then I had a 7 a.m. tea time on Saturday and a 7 a.m. tea time on Sunday. So my week was different from what it normally is, but then things happened with those tea times where it became even more different than it normally is. So it's, it's, it was a confusing week for me in terms of writing. I think I got all my writing sessions in. I think I had six. I'm not sure though. Um, let's see. Monday, I had I went to lunch on Monday at my sub place, which I, I don't normally go on Mondays, but I did. And I finished my reread of, of the first eight chapters, uh, ran through those. It was it was good. I'm very happy with how they came out. Uh, I'm still working on and again. This is all based on the fact that I've been listening to so much of the, the old story grid podcast now. And one of the things he talks about is, is what does your characters want? That's like the big global question he always asks when he when Sean, when he's asking Tim about his book, when they're talking about his book, what is his character's global want? And I started thinking about that with my book too. And I've been thinking about it all week. And I think I came up with something today. Um, and, and I don't think I have to make any changes to the first eight chapters, but I might not, if I do, it'll be nothing major, maybe a line here or there just to clarify his global want a little bit more than what I had done so far. So um, is this not something you would do when you're doing the outlining in the first place or, uh, yeah, it probably would be one of the first things you do when you're coming up with your plot and you're, you know, you know, your genre and all that good stuff. It's probably, and then you come up with your character. A lot of people will start with character. Um, and it's kind of a, you know, I, I would say it's one of the first things you do. I never thought about it. Um, and I think part of the reason that I never thought about it. And I think I, I should have, I should have, because it, it defines my character more when I ask that question. Whereas, you know, he's an amateur sleuth. Why is he an amateur sleuth? Well, he wants to solve a mystery. Well, does an amateur sleuth who want to, wants to solve a mystery dive into like this multiple murder plot thing in Majiggy? And I, I don't know if that's a strong enough reason for him to dive in. Right. Right. Yeah. They usually talk about, uh, in terms of story doctoring, talk about you have to develop something in their background that drives them to want to be involved in these things. Either they, for some reason, they you know, have a passionate need for justice because of some heinous crime they you know saw as a child or something. And something I think like that's that. what I'm going for. I think kind of what I decided is his global want is he wants to know what happened to his parents. He's been suppressing it for so long. And now, now he's starting to see this murder unravel in front of him. And he's starting to go through the process of, of, looking at this murder and I, but I don't want it to be like, okay, book two. Now we'll solve that. I want, this doesn't strike me as the kind of thing that a character would be like, okay, I solved one murder. Let's go look at this thing that I've been suppressing for, for eight years. So I'm, this could be the no, kind right. of thing that I write over three or four books. Then in the fifth book, you know, it reminds me a lot of the X-Files really. Right. Or, or it could be a want that's actually never really satisfied. Sure. You know, it's kind of, you know, if you think of it as, as being a junkie almost, you know, you get, you get a shot of, uh, satisfaction and, you know, you take one step towards saying, yeah, you know, maybe I've, uh, I've, uh, soothed over, over this sore spot in my background, but then they realize that, no, you know, that really didn't do it. I've got to do more. Yeah, that could be, I'm thinking like, yeah. as you're saying that I'm thinking maybe in like book three, he decides, okay, I'm going to dive in 
And then a murder happens around him again. And he says, so I'm not ready to dive into this, but I have this other one I can solve right here kind of thing to where it's, what is the, that's almost like the, in the hero's journey, the refusal of the call, the refusal from without, you know, that kind of thing. So, right. Yeah. And and actually my, just thinking about this in terms of of real life, if you're actually a real amateur who gets pulled into something like this because of something in your background, at some point this want, it doesn't get satisfied then you're thinking about maybe turning professional. You become a professional private detective. And that would be a way to actually, if if the story or the character catches on with readers, that's a way to transition into a whole new series, really. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of, did you ever read any of the Sue Grafton? A is for Alibi, B is for Burglar? Yeah, Yeah, I've read almost all of them. I read a lot of them. Not, I, I, I know I'm not even, I don't even think I got halfway because I was reading when I was a kid and then I just kind of fell off. Maybe I'll go back to this. I really like that Kinsey Milhone character yeah, uh, yeah. a lot. So that could be something. What I kind of like to do is get him, my character into that kind of role where he's just kind of a gritty, you know, private detective type of thing. Um, right. But uh, so right. Yeah. So that, so anyway, that's what I spent a lot of time doing this week. And it all started when I was rereading Monday. Um, you know, what is his overall want and why does that drive him into try to solve the murder in this book? And um, I'm hoping that I'm conveying that, but I'll get to that. Uh, when I get to my goals for next week, we'll talk okay. more about that. Um, uh, Tuesday, let's see. I did not do any writing on Tuesday because I had to leave right at four o'clock for golf. I took a short lunch. Um, had my golf league in the evening and it did not go well. It's the first week of the year. Um, it was about 45 degrees when I got there. Our tee time was around 525 and it only got colder through the rest of the night. I could not swing the club. I had probably one of my highest scores in a long time. Um, but Hey, it raised my handicap. So I'll get more strokes next week from whoever I play. So I'll take that. Um, so that was Tuesday, Wednesday, went back to lunch at uh, my little sub place and began working on chapter nine had a whole bunch of notes from plotting. This was, this was, uh, I knew this was going to be a big one chapter nine. So I got through part of it, uh, in the afternoon, a lot of, it's all seeding. It's all just seeding and adding, but but it's a lot of words in that chapter reading through. It takes some time. Uh, so then later that evening after work, I just decided to go finish it. So I went to hothead burrito and my, my normal seat, my normal spot. And uh, I finished chapter nine. And then I got through chapters 10 and 11, um, actually subtracting words, which I did not expect. I usually add words when I edit, but one thing about Grammarly, um, when you run it through Grammarly, you're subtracting words because it always finds easier ways or, or shorter ways to say things. So you might have a three word phrase that it says, no, no, no use this one word instead. And, and right. I always I fi- read it. Most of the time I accept it and it always takes a bunch of words away. Yeah. I find the same thing in pro writing aid. When I go through the style check, uh, I I have certain weird constructions I do repeatedly. And I think it's from academic writing because there's certain ways they, ex- they expect you to write academically. A lot of it has to do with passive voice. At least a traditional r- way to write academic journal articles is in passive voice. So I've, I've pretty much trained myself out of that over the last couple of years, but I still end up dropping in two or three or four a chapter that have to be fixed. Yeah, like so was up, yeah. sitting. Well, now you got to change was sitting to something that's that's more active, not passive. Right, he right. sat, you know, that kind right. of thing. So, right. uh, and I do that a lot. That one, and I also, the thing that I tend to do, and I don't even know if this is grammatically incorrect or not, but a lot, I, I don't do it very often. I might do it a couple times a chapter, which maybe that's too much. I'll start out a sentence with a phrase that needs a comma and then the pronoun, like, so like um, with his nine iron comma, he hit the ball down the, down the fairway. Mm, and, okay. and, Grammarly never likes that, even though in my head, it makes sense. So most of the time, if it finds it and tells me to change it, I'll change it. But there are times when I leave it in there because to me, it makes sense. And I like the way it sounds. So. Sure. Sure. 
Yeah. And, that, and that's part of style. That's part of voice. So. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. That was Wednesday, Thursday after work. I went to, uh, okay. So Thursday night, I wanted to go right again, but I don't want to leave my little hometown. If I remember correctly, I had about 17 miles left of gas in my car. And I was like, no, I'm going to hold out till Friday and I'm going to hold out till Saturday even. And uh, so I just went to my little sub place in the evening, which is something I don't rare, I do very often. Uh, but I ended up doing chapter 12. So I was probably there about an hour and a half and I took care of chapter 12. Uh, Friday, I did leave town. So I did have to get gas. Uh, started chapter 13, uh, reworked it, added all my notes in. But then I read through it and thought, this isn't this isn't correct. It's not, it's a good chapter. It's finished, but it just needs a reread. And I need to, I just had to add some, a little bit more emotion, a little bit, cause it's a, it's a pretty heavy chapter. Um, so Saturday I went golfing in the morning and again, golf terrible. I'm starting to worry that I lost my swing after having my, you know, spending thousands of dollars on this golf simulator and playing over the winter in, in some golf simulators uh, at a golf course locally. And then I go out on the course and I just can't hit the ball. And it was pretty bad. The weather was okay. I think it started out, our, our tea time was at seven, but we had frosts and I had never encountered this until I left the, the courses around me who apparently don't care if there's frost. But if you step on a green or on grass, when it's frost, you're literally breaking the grass. Right. right. I had no idea. So we had a frost warning. It lasted about an hour. So we got out around eight, got home around one. And then in the afternoon, I ended up going to five, I went to five guys, um, and worked on chapter 13. I hadn't been to five guys since before my diet. Um, and it was funny cause I ate the burger and ate like six French fries. And I was like, okay, I'm full. And I moved my stomach gets smaller. This is amazing. Yeah. Well, and, actually, um, that's, that's true. It does. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, I worked on chapter 13 and basically just going through it again and just adding all those words. It took me about an hour and a half adding all those words that needed to be added. And I was very happy with it when it was finished this morning. I woke up at 5 a.m. Uh, to golf and looked at the weather and I just did not feel like going. It was going to be raining all day. And uh, I, te I texted the, my buddy who lives up close to the course and just told him I'm not coming. And he said, no problem. And then when I, I fell back asleep and when I woke up at like 7.15, it was pouring rain. Uh, so I'm pretty sure I made the right decision. Yeah, they, were, uh, and they, they probably called it off, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if I lived closer, I probably would have gone and just if, you know, I don't mind golfing in the rain. I don't like golfing in cold rain, but I don't mind golfing in the summer. If it's raining, even if it's raining, you know, more than just a sprinkle, if it's a downpour, obviously you stop, find some shelter and wait maybe 15, 20 minutes and see what happens. But today I, I don't know if I would have actually, because it was a colder rain. Than yeah. And I would think that I thought up in the North there, at least early in the year when there is those, those big downpours and everything gets real soaked, they want to keep people off the greens because the greens still really aren't healthy from the winter yet. Yeah, the course that I go to is in northeastern Ohio up right near, it's in Geneva, which is, uh, and it's in this really low spot. So when, when it rains on them, they, especially like the second and third fairway, just get soaked. You can't even walk or you're sinking down into the water. So the, the course that I usually play on the weekends, uh, it's called Hemlock Springs. It, uh, it, it closes more than most when it's raining just because it gets so cold. All right. So I went to Panera. I ended up going to Panera instead and got my blueberry muffin, which made me happy. Uh, worked through chapter 14 and, um, you know, I, it's the same thing as chapter 13. I worked through chapter 14, got it all finished, added a whole, I think I added about 400 words. So I think it was like a 1200 words when I was done, it was 1600, but it's the same thing. I don't think it's finished yet. I think I need to read through it one more time and just, there might be one or two sentences. I just want to add a couple of uh, emotion to, or some descriptions to make it a little bit better. 
Uh, I did change it around a little bit. And uh, like I said, it's done. I ran through Grammarly, but I'm going to give it another reread tomorrow just to go through it. Uh, I also, I, I had a, a lunch with a buddy of mine who is a friend of the podcast and actually a friend of mine going back longer, going back, I believe to 1996 is the first time we met and he was in town and we went to this little hot dog place that that is like really famous in this area. And uh, I talk, I talk about it on the podcast every now and then, or I'll put it on Snapchat every now and then. So finally he texted me earlier this week and he says, I'm going to be in town. Let's go to the hot dog shop. And I'm like, all right, sounds good. So, so we went to the hot dog shop and then I came home, went to the grocery store. Um, and then I hung as I, I, did I already talk, did I talk about this? Yeah. I talked about this earlier. Then I hung the screen on oh, the right. door. That's freaking my dog out right now. Okay. It just got really dark outside too. So it might start raining here at any point. Um, so yeah, that was my week. Um, I, I do, I'm pretty happy with the week overall in terms of how much I got done. I think I wanted to get through chapter 12 and I got through chapter 14. So it, it's, it's good. Yeah, it sounds like a busy week. It's a good thing I had my mic on mute there for a little bit because I, for some reason, I reached out my foot and just yanked all the cords out of the back of my computer. So <laughs> I had to put, nice. myself, put myself back in, in line here. Uh, well, my week, uh, as I mentioned, I worked pretty steadily through Monday and Tuesday to get the draft of book one done, uh, which I've tentatively titled Death Comes to Paradise, which when I searched on Amazon, I was shocked that nobody had ever used that title. Yeah. Uh, you know, I try to, I try to get titles try to come up with titles that nobody's used, but that one just seemed so obvious to me that I was really, really quite surprised. Uh, maybe I just missed it somehow. A lot of death in paradise because of the TV show, but, uh, and there's probably about a dozen books with that title, but this'll work, I think. Uh, so I send it off to see, uh, we'll wait for her to get me some edits back on Wednesday. Uh, by the time Tuesday evening rolled around, like I said, I wanted to throw it all in the trash and just send her the money not to edit. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But I resisted that urge, so uh, hopefully this week will turn out turn out well. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday, I did nothing write, writing related at all. I worked on the bathroom remodel that that we've got going. Uh, Friday, I did start to think again about a couple of things. Uh, the first thing I started to think about was brand, and I don't mean Russell. Uh, although in fairness, Russell Brand has a very good brand. Uh, I started wondering, you know, you, you hear a lot about or you read a lot about how authors need to have a, have a brand and to brand themselves. And typically what they're talking about, I think, is when you have a series of books or even your whole catalog that you want it from a, a brief glance for people to recognize that, yes, this is uh, author X or author Y. You know, kind of like you, you can almost tell, well, it's easy nowadays to tell a James Patterson novel because his name is in huge type at the top. And I guess when you become well-established, that's something you do. You know, technically, you know, it's something you could do anytime. You could do it when you're first starting out, if you want to use your name as a brand. But I started to think about, you know, what what do I really want to do with this Rich Casey pen name and the series of mysteries that I, I, I hope to write, which really aren't cozy mysteries, but they're not really traditional mysteries that kind of fall somewhere in between. And does that brand really relate to the books and the stories themselves? Does it extend to me as a person and the kind of persona I want to project online? And I was just kind of ruminating about that on Friday. I haven't really come to any conclusions. Uh, I thought I'd ask you what you thought about that when, in terms of brand and how, you, how you've thought about branding in terms of your work. I, I honestly think that for me, the branding is going to be something that just kind of comes naturally. Like I don't know if I'm big enough to to try to create a brand for myself other than trying to get all my covers to look the same 
Um, I, I don't know. Um, I probably haven't thought about it as much as I should. I probably haven't thought about the business of writing as much as I should. But in terms of her brand itself, I just kind of feel like that's the kind of thing that's going to come naturally for me, where I may make some mistakes here and there, and I have to fix those mistakes. And eventually it turns into the, the Jerry Evanoff brand. But right. but right now I'm just kind of letting it happen and, and, and I'll work on it. Everything is for me is going to happen once I get a series finished, and I'm just nowhere near there yet. So, well, I think you have taken the first step as as you suggest there by having the same cover artists do all the book covers, and you know even going back to the ones that you had done before. So, you know that is going to be the first step, and I do think that's the first step for any author that wants to create a brand. You know, you have to have product that looks the same, or it doesn't look the same necessarily, but it looks related. People can recognize that there's some tie between these these books that are out there. Yeah, I just, you know, it was just something that occurred to me. I wondered, you know, what, what is the best thing to do here? Uh, because you, there are people online that have a persona that, I don't want to say it's not authentic, but you know it's not their, their personality necessarily. You know, they're either adding something to their personality or subtracting something from it because they're trying to portray themselves in a particular way. This is probably especially evident on Twitter. I don't know how evident it is on on Facebook. Uh, And since Twitter is probably going to be taken over by Elon Musk anyways, all that will go away and we won't won't have to worry about it. But yeah, so that's what I was ruminating about on Friday. And then I also started to think a little bit about this prequel that I'm going to do for this book one that I'm going to use as a cookie and uh, started trying to come up with ideas uh, about what I wanted to do. I know I want it to be short because I want to get it done in, in a reasonable amount of time. So I'm thinking, you know, somewhere in the na- neighborhood of 20, 25,000 words. I did come up with a with a victim, I think, that I'm going to use, a method, a motive, and an opportunity. So I've got the core of the mystery right there. Uh, now what I have to do is I have to sit down starting tomorrow and try to put together a pretty comprehensive outline by the end of the week. I'd like to be able to say, okay, I know where the story is going. I know what the ending is. I know what the beginning's got to look like. I know what the mushy middle is going to have to slog through. And by the end of the week, I should be, I hope to be able to start on uh, chapter one and just go with it. And if it's going to be, you know, 20, 25,000 words, I can do a first draft 20, 25,000 words in a week. Uh, pretty easy, I think. So we'll see if that actually comes to pass or not. Uh, this is this was going to be my question to you when you were doing your stats: is how many chapters did you get plotted so far? Because I know last yeah. week you talked about that's something you were going to start doing. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't actually get to do it. I gave myself the days off. I was going to start right away, and I just decided, nah, I'm still a little bit too fragile from actually sending that thing off. Uh, but I I did think about it and think about what I wanted to. Do. I wanted to make sure that this has a different kind of motivation to, for the for the uh, antagonist. I wanted to make sure that the method of murder was different. So in the first in the first the, the book one that I wrote, the the motivation or the method is essentially uh, well, there's there's a number of methods because there's a number of murders. But the one method that isn't in that first book is electrocution, which is what I'm going to go with wow. on this on this prequel uh, and how to set that up so that it it occurs and it doesn't necessarily look like murder to begin with like it looks like an accident that's going to be the challenge there's some technical things i have to run down to see whether or not it's actually for example whether it's actually actually possible to run 240 volts through a t1 line without it melting down uh or not and there's some things i just don't know off the top of my head right now yeah but um 
Okay. But yeah, I've got I've got a good idea of the opportunity of the of the of, of the victim and why he was chosen as the victim, and who the antagonist is going to be. So I, I feel pretty good actually at this point to be what four days, five days out from having turned book one over to the editor to actually have a, a sense of direction for this prequel, and I, I'm I, at this moment I'm encouraged that maybe by the end of May I'll actually have that thing done and out. And hopefully I'll be able to book C for a, another uh, another session with her. I don't don't really know how how much her calendar is is uh, packed up going forward. Do you have a date that you want to publish, and are you going to do a pre order? Well, as I mentioned in one of the earlier episodes, my goal is to have three books and the prequel ready to go sometime in early fall. Yes, and I was going to publish them one every three to four weeks uh, going through the fall. Pre-orders, I won't go with pre-orders, I don't think, for the first book. The prequel is never going to be for sale. That's going to be the the book that you can only get if you uh, sign up to the mailing list. And uh, the attraction to that, I think, is going to be that the origin story for the protagonist is going to be in that prequel. Uh, it's alluded to a little bit in book one, but there's no real detail given. So I hope to be able to attract people that are interested in protagonists and want to see what the origin story is for them and their de- their detective motivation. With book one's publication, I will definitely put a pre-order up for book two because I want to be able at the end of book one for them to say, hey, you know, were you interested in this? You might be not only interested in the prequel in order to find out what the motive, what the origin story is for these characters, but also here's book two and it will be out and I can give them a firm date for when okay, it will be out. Okay, good, good. Yeah, and then I'll do the same thing when book two actually gets published. In fact, I may even put book three on, on pre-order if I actually have it completed by yeah. the time book one hits hits the shelf. I don't really want to put a pre-order out when I don't have the book finished. Um, I did that in the past and was not able to actually finish the book, so I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Uh, not that it mattered. Not that I don't think there was any pre-orders, maybe. But uh, I, I was just playing with that. And, yeah, I don't want to do that again. Okay, well, as far as my 2022 goals uh, are concerned, I added one uh, from what I've had there in the list. And that is to outline a story in some detail for the first time since probably grade school. And that's what I'm going to try to do with this prequel that I'm going to be working on for the next month, probably. Uh, it'll be, the like I said, the first time I've done this in quite a while. I don't know how it's going to go. I hope it goes well. Uh, right now, in in the back of my head, I feel like it's going to go okay. Probably because it's not going to be a huge novel. It'll be you know about one third the size of a novel. So I think that might be a good way to get my my feet wet in this outlining process and uh, uh, see where my hangups are and where where I do well and maybe be able to work on it going forward for actually a full novel when I get around to book two, which hopefully will start June first. I love that you put on the outline, um, outline a story in some detail for the first time. It's probably grade school, which makes me think that you outlined something in grade school. Yeah, well, I think we were forced to, as yeah. I recall. <laughs> as I recall, when we were back, and it was probably in, in uh, middle school and high school as well. I, I, I do have, have uh, nightmares periodically about having to do outlines. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. 
All right. Um, in terms of my 2022 goals, I don't really have anything exciting, anything that's changed at all. I will say that the um, finding in terms of the financial, I did go through something I do about every six months. I went through and I, so I downloaded all of my bank activity over the last two months. And then I deleted everything that was food and holy cow, there were a lot of them uh, and gas and, you know, turnpike tolls. I deleted everything that's a monthly payment, like my car, my house that I make myself, that I go physically make. Um, whether it be online or, or write a check. Um, and all I had left was I had 10 entries that were, were monthly items like Noveler, $9.99 a month, Dropbox, 11 whatever a month, uh, Office 365, $7.50 a month. Uh, I canceled Netflix because I don't watch Netflix ever. I canceled that. I also canceled QuickBooks, which was something that uh, I got last year in January thinking that I was going to have a more successful writing year, but then I didn't publish anything. Um, so I canceled that for now. I just kind of put it on hold for now. And I, I took my Patreon contributions from uh, $37 down to, I believe, 17 I took the Mark Dawson podcast from however much a podcast it was down to, I think a dollar per podcast. Right. And I took, and I took another one, the, the, the riff tracks one that I've been doing from 17 down to, I think, I think five, because I just don't take advantage of the items that you get extra with that money. Um, so there was no reason for me to actually pay that money. So I ended up saving about $75 a month in doing that. Um, because these are things I just didn't use and I was paying on them. And then I went into YouTube and YouTube added more commercial breaks now. So when I'm sitting on my couch in the evening and I'm watching, let's say a reaction to a music, to, to a song from the eighties, which I love watching a minute and a half into the song. There's no, there's no, they don't YouTube doesn't care where you're at. They just plug their ads in and you can write right in the middle of a song. Uh, I watch a lot of golf videos and there are so many times when they're right in the middle of a swing and boom commercial, you come back and you miss the end of it because they don't, what they ought to do is set it back a couple seconds when you come back from commercial. So you don't miss that stuff, but they right, don't do that. Right. Uh, and I thought, well, I'm going to check into this YouTube uh, premium. Turns out you get the first four months free. So I signed up for it. I think it's going to be 1199 a month, but I don't pay anything until the end of August. Um, so that's a big one for me in terms of like things I use and will take advantage of versus things I don't use. Um, so in four, terms of four funding, months, four months is a pretty good trial period. It is. It's that's basically, yeah, for me, it's gonna be all summer. Right. And I, I mean, I literally use it every night. Um, sometimes on the weekends during the day, I mean, I use it a lot and it's going to be completely worth it. Now on my, on my computer, I have, um, I use Chrome and I have an ad blocker. I never see ads on YouTube anyway, but right. you're kind of shortchanging the people that are, I assume you're shortchanging people that are making the videos who are trying to get paid for making the videos, which. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel so bad about if YouTube wasn't so obnoxious in how they place their ads. Right. Um, right. You know, if they put three ads at the beginning of a video, I got no problem with it. It's when you interrupt the video every minute and a half to show me the same three, six second commercials over and over again. It's very right. frustrating. So, right. Um, but I've used it the last couple of nights and it's, I've, I've loved it. I've watched the 30 minute videos with no ads and it's been great. So I did something very similar probably about a year ago where I, I'm not sure I was at $47 on Patreon, but I was up close to that. I, I whittled it all the way back down, I think, to $5. I think the only person I'm supporting right now is a guy named Mark McGinnis, who does the 21st Century Creative Podcast. Uh, he does about a dozen shows a year, maybe a dozen shows a year, and you just pay when he drops a podcast. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. He does a, he does a season, and I think his season lasts for maybe about four, you know, three or four months. He's also got another podcast, which is really interesting. It's a poetry podcast because he is a poet, um, and so that's pretty interesting too. He's been on uh, 
He's a friend that has been on uh, Joe Penn's uh, Creative Pen podcast a couple. I knew of that times. name sounded familiar. That's probably right. where I heard it from. Okay. Right. Right. Um, and and I and don't get me wrong, I I did cancel or drop those those levels down with the idea that okay, I'm not going to pay as much because I'm not taking advantage. But that doesn't mean that over the next month or two, I find somebody else on Patreon I want to support because you know a lot of the things I watch on YouTube have Patreon accounts and it's you know it's a kind of thing you know I did it with. Uh, Rift tracks, and I still do it with Mystery Science Theater because I get so much enjoyment out of them pretty much on a daily basis to this day for free. Like, you know, all the Mystery Science Theater stuff is up on YouTube. You know, Rift tracks put a bunch of theirs, and I feel like I should contribute something back to them because I sure. get so much enjoyment from them. That's why I did it. Um, and that's why I didn't cancel the Rift tracks completely. I don't take advantage of any of their premium stuff. I just feel like I, I, I owe them because I get so much enjoyment out of them. I mean, I literally put Rift tracks on every day. I put it on Twitch, or I put it on the videos I have on my computer that I that I bought, or I just go to the the, the Rift tracks friends. So you know, that's the kind of thing that I, I'm happy to pay for. Right. And yeah, and I, I was the same way. But what I found is after a few years, I just wasn't even listening right. to the things anymore. Right. Like I, I, I almost never listened to uh, Mark Dawson's podcast anymore. I, I very rarely listened to uh, Joanne Penn's podcast. Uh, the six figure author has gone away. So there's you know not going to have that anymore. The only thing I, I do try to get back to repeatedly through the year, I don't do it consistently, but I try to get back repeatedly is writing excuses, which I really enjoy listening to. I enjoyed that. I listened to it for a while. And then I really did like the fact that it was only 15 minutes. I'm like, give me an hour here, people. Yeah, it, that, it is that a, little bothered me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit um, on the short side. Well, I'll tell you what, in looking at the podcast that I, that I subscribe to now, it's down to just like 10. I need to find some more. Yeah, I, I haven't listened to Joe Penn's in a while. I, I'm not a, an AI person. Um, no, yeah. and that she talks about that a lot. I don't really care too much about that. I don't think it's going to affect my writing at all. Yeah. Or I'm NFTs sure. and, and right. Yes, exactly. Stuff, I don't, yeah. I don't completely understand what the appeal of an NFT is. It seems silly to me. Um, and I listen to the story grid, but I'm, I don't really listen to their new ones. I'm only listening to the old ones and I'm looking now, uh, I still have Paul Teague's in my subscribe to list, but yeah. he doesn't make any more. I'm just hoping one day. Uh, I don't, I mean, the hero's journey that's not a that's not a writing podcast it's just a podcast about movies and their structure i don't really listen to any writing ones i don't listen to mark dawson's i do like the beginning of joanna pens and the beginning of mars dawson's i like hearing about them but the interviews you know unless it's a specific guest the interviews are kind of the same they right. say the same things every week so yeah i'm kind of with you on that and i did download the drunken odyssey that you talked about last week i have a new one in my queue here that i'm going to listen to to be the first one and see how that goes so yeah it's pretty interesting uh, all right. In terms of my news, um, I really don't have any news this week. Uh, the, I can give an Amazon ads update, but it's really not going to be anything exciting. I mean, I have 6,095 impressions, 12 clicks, 500, one click every 507. So it went up a little bit. I haven't had any new clicks all week. I think what I'm going to do here, I, I Brian, Brian Cohen always talked about, or, or Brian Meeks, maybe both of them talked about how, and I think even Janet Margo, this must be a thing because they, I think I've heard them all say that if you, if you leave it out there too long, eventually it's just going to stop being served. Um, and so what I'm probably going to do at some point in the next week or two is just take an hour, an hour and a half, one night and just recreate all of these as new ads and, uh, and see if that makes a difference in the impression and the clicks, but I'm going to wait until I redo my blurb and, um, which I, I was going to get to this week and just didn't get to it. Maybe tonight. We'll see. So have you noticed the impressions going down or? 
Um, the impressions, yeah, I've noticed all of it going down. I haven't got any new clicks this week. The impressions, I got some impressions, but it was definitely not what I had been getting on average. That's something I'll probably have, to, I'll keep track of that next time I create a set of ads and just see if the impressions go down over time. That's interesting. I never thought of that, but yeah, right. that's interesting. So, and I'm also looking at this and I'm like, okay, the one, the one ad that got the most impressions, 1,743 got zero clicks, right? That's terrible. But then I have one ad that only had 259 impressions, but it had five clicks. That's one every 50 or 51 or 52. So when I recreate these new ads, I'm going to take into account how these ones did. And right. I might just leave some of them off and maybe come up with some new ones instead. Like that's a, that's an, a particular author that I targeted that is a popular author who gets a lot, gives me a lot of impressions, but people that, that search him do not click on my book. Right. So right. that would be a, a bad one for me to use. So in fact, looking at the, well, the, it's weird. This happened before I have a time travel keywords, one and a time travel keywords, two list. So I have two mm -hmm. different lists of time travel keywords. And in, in the, this set of ads and the previous one, the time travel one keywords, the ones that came up first when I did my searching on, um, Oh, what's it called? The, the Kindle, what's it called? The, uh, uh publisher rocket, publisher rocket. That's those got no, they have 812 impressions and zero clicks, but the time travel two ones has, that's the one that has 259 impressions, but five clicks. Right. So that's interesting. I'm going to have to take that into account. So I'm going to redo these ads at some point in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to redo my blurb and, uh, and, and take this into account and, and maybe, maybe I can make it a little bit better. So. Are these, uh, these keyword lists long? Are they big keyword lists? Or no, they're, they're. Ones? They're about 150 keywords. So I tried to split it into about 150 each, but then when you, when you click and you add it into on the ad, it might make it 250 because it'll do different combinations of the, of your right, words. Right. So it ends up being about 250 in the ad, but the list I make is about 150 long. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't, you know, I don't have anything up on Amazon right now that I'm interested in pushing. So I haven't really gone and looked at uh, keywords for anything, but I did, I think it was Janet Margot. Somebody I was listening to during the week or reading about mentioned how they, the idea of having big keyword lists was not the way to go anymore, that you really want to pare that down to maybe a dozen or two dozen that actually perform for you. So, you know, you can have these experimental ads out there and see what keywords are actually attracting the clicks. And then what you do is over time, you bring those into one list and just, you know, try doing just a list of keywords I may that do, do that. perform. Yeah, I'll look at all of the ones that got clicks and just put them in one list, see how that list does compared to other ones, which may not do as well. That list might do really well because those are the number, the items that are getting me clicks. Right. right. I just need to find a list that gets me sales. Do you think that yeah, exists exactly. somewhere? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I, you know what? I, I, I don't know where you heard that, but Lindsay took Brian Cohen's course that he offers every now and then the, the uh -huh. ad challenge, I think it's called. And I remember she telling me that he said the same thing. You want to have like 50 to hundred keywords at a, at a time and, and, you know, not much more than that. So, right. Uh, right. Yeah. All right. That's my news. Okay. Well, for my news, I've, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Facebook ad that I started this week for the podcast because I found some interesting things with this and it's a one-off, so it's not really a good experiment. I have to do it a number of times to see if this actually holds true, but I created a new ad. I used the same ad that I had before, uh, which had a black background. I decided to do an AB test with, I replaced the black background with a white background, you know, changed the text so the text appeared. Uh, as as black instead of white, so it, it looked real pretty. And I ser I tried to serve it out to a. It was a fairly large audience. I think it was four to five million was the estimate. A little bit bigger than the the size of audience that David Gogren suggests, as an example when you're doing Facebook ads. Uh, but it, I didn't feel like spending a whole lot of time trying to narrow it down. So what I did is I had an audience 
that was uh, basically uh, U.S. and Canada, 18 plus, all genders, and people who are simultaneously interested in self-publishing and fiction books, which is a little bit different than what I did before. And I started off as a budget at a budget of ten dollars, uh, actually on each ad, each of the ABs, to see what would happen. Uh, and the first thing that happened right away is that Facebook served almost all the impressions to the black background ad. It would it served very few to the white background ad. So there's something about that white background ad or the way people were responding to it initially that Facebook didn't like. So I eventually shut that one down and just let the black background one run. And I didn't really like the way it was performing. It was it was getting clicks. Uh, it was getting ton, a ton of impressions and it was getting, you know, as Facebook always does, it'll always give you impressions, it'll spend your whole budget. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was getting clicks, but it wasn't performing. It was, you know, I was probably getting clicks in the neighborhood of 65 cents, something along those lines. And the CTR, the click-through rate was not very good. It was like maybe one and a half percent, maybe 2%, something like that. So I was, I was about ready to just shut that ad down and decide, well, what I'll do is I'll just kind of bleed it dry slowly. So I, I dropped the budget to $5 a day instead. And almost immediately, I started getting more clicks. The CTR went up to 4% and the cost per click went down to 35 cents per click. So I don't know what happened there. I don't, I don't know what the takeaway is of that, why a smaller budget would suddenly uh, perform better other than the fact that uh, the, maybe the, even though they, it was registering as an audience of four to five million, that that audience really isn't that big. And that these, these if, if, you, if Facebook knows it's not going to be able to serve as many impressions, it's going to be a little more selective about where it's sending those impressions to. And I'm sure Facebook knows who clicks ads versus who doesn't. So do you think it could serve those to the people it knows clicks? Well, I mean, that's what it's supposed to be doing initially. Anyways, it's supposed to be learning or knowing from its, from its database uh, who's more likely to click on ads for this particular topic and serve the impressions to those people. Now, maybe this is just a fluke. I really don't know. Uh, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to let this ad run for a while, see if it continues to perform. The frequency is, is still low on it, so people aren't seeing this ad more than once. Uh, I think the frequency was like 1.04 or something like that. So I'm going to like, let it run for a while and see what happens. Um, the other thing I found interesting is that only 13% of the clicks are coming from desktops, uh, which is proportional to how much, how many impressions are being served to de desktops. So that tells you, tells me one of two things, either Facebook is preferentially serving to mobile devices or the mobile device penetration in the Facebook market is so extensive now that 90 plus, you know, 90 some percent of, of the people, 80, 90% of the people are using Facebook only on mobile. You know, so that's thinking about desktop and how to serve ads to, to people who are working on desktops might not be worth your effort mm -hmm. uh, at all. So you create the ads with the idea that it's going to be square. It's going to be uh, served on, on a mobile. So you want to get size so it'll fit on a mobile. Um, yeah, with a black background, apparently. With a black background. Right. Yeah, and interesting. The only thing I, I mean, I, you know, when I did that, I thought in the back of my head, well, I think the black background, my, my prior was that the black background was going to perform better because when you're scrolling through a feed or if you're on the desktop and you pull up your feed, the black background pops. 
you know, because everything, unless you've got it set on, on, on night mode, the black background, is, it really shows up and, and the colors in the, in the ad really pop off the black background and the white probably tends to get a little bit more obscured in just the general whiteness of the screen overall. I wonder so how many phones, like my phone, I, this is a new phone. I just got it a couple weeks ago and I set up, well, actually, now that I think about it, I haven't logged into Facebook on this phone. So, cause I don't want to use Facebook on the phone, but I did set the phone up in dark mode, which everything I do in, on my desktop, I don't like dark mode. It's too dark. Right. Um, like, you know, at my last job, I remember we got visual studio 2020 or 2019. Everybody was so excited to get it. We downloaded it. And all of my coworkers who are younger than me set it to dark mode. And I left mine in white mode, white mode, and light mode. And I wonder if that was a generational thing, but I did set up my phone in dark mode and I like it. Right. I think there's a couple of things going on. It's, it's, it's probably the mode that people on desktops are using, maybe even on phones. But I think the more important thing in terms of the performance of the ads and why Facebook probably funnels more impressions to phones or to mobile devices is the fact that when the ad hits the screen, it's taking up the entire screen, mm. almost the entire screen. Even, even on a tablet, it's taking up a sizable percentage of the screen. Whereas on a desktop, like I'm, I'm on a 27 inch desktop here, the ads just disappear you know, yeah. amongst all the other clutter that's on the screen. Yeah. So that, that's, that's just something interesting. I thought what I might do in the future, well, what I thought I was gonna do when I saw that initially is that I was going to stop serving the desktops. I was just going to tell I didn't want it to serve the desktops. But then I realized that proportionally it was still performing like the, like the mobile did. It's just that it wasn't getting that many impressions. So I wonder if there's something you could do in the ad that would be, and I don't know, I'm just kind of saying this for the first time out loud, that would be more appropriate for phones since you know that the majority of the people now proportionally said the same, but the, the number, the total number I assume is more on a phone. Right. So could you do something in the ad that somehow re references a phone or or something that is good for phone versus a desktop that might make somebody want to click. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to think about that. that that's a good idea, though, uh, that there is. Is there something inherent about what people are doing on the phone and the way they're using it that would make them respond to a particular type of ad better than, uh, say, if it, if it showed up on a desktop? I, I really don't know. I'll have to think about yeah. that. Yeah. And the nice thing is in BookBrush, I can create uh, and a, 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 a add the, an image the size of a, a, a desktop and an image for mobile. So I may look into this this week too. I might create something and see what I can come up with right. uh, and get something running too. I'm, I'm curious about this now. You've got the A-B testing thing I find so interesting uh, that, and I never had done it before in Facebook. I don't really know how to do it in Facebook. Right. So I'm, I'm, I may look into that. Yeah, it's pretty easy. I was just really shocked that Facebook would shut down that other ad so fast. I mean, it, in the, initially in the first day, it did get impressions about equal to what was happening on the uh, on the black background, but there were so little, so few clicks, uh, or and I imagine likes because this ad has gotten quite a few likes. I think I'm up to about thirty or forty likes oh, nice. on the ad. Yeah, yeah, so it, it's getting some social proof there. That's one reason. That's another reason why I've decided, well, I think I'm just going to keep this going. Even if at some point I decide, well, I don't like the money I'm spending, I'll just drop it down to a, a dollar or two dollars a day and just let it chug along uh, until the frequency gets so high that you're, you know, serving it to people over and over again. Yeah. Uh, and see what happens. Now, the, on the other end of this, as we've talked about before, you know, the goal is to get people to click on the link and listen to the podcast. Uh, I did not see this week any um, increased activity in terms of podcast listens. Uh, so we'll have to see if that changes going forward yeah. or not. Yep. 
Okay. Yeah. That's the, that's always the big thing. It's like, uh, but I will, I, I will say that when I first started doing ads, whether it be for book or podcast, I struggled to get clicks. Like that was something I could not, especially in the Amazon ones. But now over the last couple of months, we're seeing clicks, whether it be your Facebook ads, mine, or my Amazon ads. Now I need to figure out how to do the next step. So I'm right. I'm actually very enthusiastic about this. Like I'm very um, optimistic about this, that it seems to be, it's slow, but it seems to be a process that maybe we're moving toward Right. where we're converting to clicks. Now we have to figure out how to convert to sales. Right. And the, and the only thing in terms of the podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, since we're sending them right now to the domain uh, aggregation of all your podcasts on your website, I guess the only way to tr think about improving that would be to have a specific landing page every week for that particular podcast. Because that's where, you know, I'm sending them there <clears throat> in the title, excuse me, <clears throat> yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's right now it goes to just slash podcast and you're right. saying slash podcast and then a specific, would it be the, so like, let's say you do one on a Tuesday, would you redo the ad on a Monday to, to now change to the newest episode? Right. That's, that's, yeah. that would be the deal. You would, you would change, you would change it in the title on the ad because I always put the title of the podcast in the ad for the week mm -hmm. and then, yeah, send it to a particular page that maybe has uh, more explanation, more detailed notes something that that gets people more interested uh you know maybe maybe some photos or something it's, that, some, it's something to think about yeah on that note i've been it used to be podcast.com slash jerry evanoff no jerry evanoff.com slash podcast slash episode number 125 but with the yoast stuff and the seo i've been changing that to 125 dash and then the title with dashes instead of spaces mm -hmm. because that's one of the things that yoast says is you should have the the title or a slug line basically in the title of it as part of the searching. So that's interesting. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. We can keep talking about this. I like this. Yeah. 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 Cause the goal of course is to get sponsors and make a whole bunch of money and retire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, so. the goal is to be noticed at meetings. <laughs> yeah. I, I really, I want one person to come up to me at, at 20 books and just say, I listened to your podcast. I right. haven't had that yet. I really want that. So. Yeah. Well, this is your podcast and boy, are you guys off base? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'll, at this point, I'll take that. Yeah. Um, all right. In terms of my running, in terms of my running list of future things to do, uh, I, I have, I still have screen door on here. I need to delete that now that I've added my magnetic screen door that is confusing the hell out of my dog. Um, I need to update my blurb. I talked about that already. And again, the Yoast stuff, I talked about this last week, the Yoast SEO stuff, I'm doing it for our podcast. I need to go in and do it for my books. And this is one of those, both of these things are things that I will do one night. I'll be sitting on my couch. It'll be 9.30. I'll have my laptop with me and I'll just be sitting there and I'll go, oh, I'll do this. And then I'll do it and it'll happen. And it'll get done. So um, yeah. Uh, in terms of my addicted to, I mean, story grid is always going to be on this. Well, not always going to be on this list for a while because I am listening to probably, boy, probably eight to 10, eight to 12 per week. I mean, uh, driving back and forth to golf. I have a, an hour drive either way on a Saturday and a Sunday. Now it's more like 50 minutes. Uh, I'll be driving to work once a week. I'll have an hour each way there. I go to, you know, hothead burrito twice a week. That's 20 minutes each way. So that's really what I'm doing. I don't listen to it at home very often, but it's, it's mostly in the car and I am just churning through it. And I love it. Something new that popped up for me. And this is something I've gone through phases with where uh, I mentioned a lot of, you know, I watch a lot of YouTube, obviously. And there are, there are, um, there are YouTubers who will uh, call up, you know, those scammers from, from overseas, a lot of the ones from India and they'll, they'll mess with them. Right. And the one that I've been watching, I think his channel is called scammer payback. He actually gets them to accept 
that he can now get into their computer. And then he goes and just deletes all their files. And it's so fun to watch. And then it's fun. And not only is that fun to watch, but it's fun to watch when they, that minute when they realize what's going on. Um, and I've been watching a lot of his stuff. Scammer Payback is the one I watch. There's a guy out there by the name of Jim Browning who he, he does it, but he does it more along the lines of, I want these people gone off the face of this earth and I'm going to do stuff. Jim Browning's not his real name. I think he does some illegal stuff in terms of like tapping into their phone lines or their, their webcam stuff that you're probably not allowed to do. So I think Jim Browning is not his real name and his stuff's really interesting, but the scammer payback guy I've been watching the last few weeks, he just goes in and messes with them. Now don't get me wrong. His goal is to get rid of them. He sends a lot of their stuff off to the authorities once he has enough information, right. but uh, they're just fun to watch. So I've been watching a lot of those lately. Right. Yeah. The, the thing is, you know, those people, they prey on the elderly, they prey mm-hmm. on the people who, you know, uh, maybe not a, don't have the cognitive skills to be able to figure out what's going on. And that's, you know, yeah, they, they do need to be getting uh, off of YouTube, especially. Yeah. just off off of everything <laughs> yeah yes i mean they just need to be eradicated and right. it's terrible what they do so yeah and and he actually shows how they do their scams and you can tell that this is like you know it's it's like a i'm gonna use the word legit meaning real uh thought through not not legit like the way it sounds it's a legit company where you've got a boss you've got an accountant you know you've got people that do hiring. Then there's like training. He shows how these scammers go through and they, they do so well. And it's completely a numbers game. You know, if you call up a hundred people and you get one, you're successful. Right. So yeah, it's well, terrible. It's, it's, it's just an offshoot of the, uh, of the penny stock boiler rooms that they had in Florida back in the sixties and seventies, uh, where, you know, they were people, they would have, uh, rooms full of people who would just cold call during stock booms and sell, you know, non-existent company stock to people over the Wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's been with us for a long time. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, but they're just fun to watch. If you get a chance, just go look up scammer payback on YouTube and just watch one video. They're so much fun. Okay. So, yeah. Well, my, my addicted to this week, uh, I've suddenly realized this today when I was in the grocery store and buying more after I just bought some at the beginning of the week are York peppermint patties. I've been going through the family size bag of those each week, and that's a lot of calories. I got I to gotta back off on that a little bit. So what did I do? Instead of buying York peppermint patties, I bought the thin ones, which ostensibly ah. have fewer calories. But then I also added on to that two huge uh, bars of dark chocolate and a bag of Andy's mints as well. So nice. we'll see what happens. We'll oh, God, you're eating well this week. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's eating well or eating to kill myself. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. For this week, uh, my schedule again is changing. It sucks because I spent like so many months at the end of last year working on what my routine is going to be because my routine is what makes me write well or write better. And now it's changing again because I have to go back to work this week for the first time. Um, Whoa, I just lost my, my outline. I have to go back to work this week for the first time. Well, I mean, really it's regularly now for the first time since I had my old job back in, what would it have been August of last year. Um, I, I've gone into the office a couple of times since I started at the new job because I had to train or we had a meeting or whatever, but this is now going to be a regular schedule, um, which stinks. So let's start with tonight. Uh, tonight, I'm going to watch a Hallmark mystery movie. Um, I had recorded one earlier this week that I was going to watch, but then I noticed uh, a little while ago that there's another episode of this mystery 101 on, which I really enjoyed. And I noticed and I recorded it. So I may watch that tonight. That's the one I, I don't know if Rich, if I talked to you about this or not, but it, it amazed me how well it flowed with the 
Udemy video that I'm writing my mystery based off of mm -hmm. where, you know, at this point, this is what happened. And these are how the clues went. And at this point you need a, an intimate scene followed by an action scene that interrupts the inter intimate scene. And then you need to s slow it down and then speed it up. And it's amazing to me how much it followed along. So I wanted to record another one the next time it was on so I could see if it was written the same way. So I may watch it tonight with a laptop open and a story grid open. I doubt I can story, it'll take hours because I'll be pausing constantly to story grid it. But I may look for some of the key moments that match up with Udemy video just to see if, if, if you know, th these are very, as formulaic as regular Hallmark movies are. That'd be really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tomorrow I have, I'm working from home on my lunch break. I'm finally going to set up my golf simulator. Um, I have not done that yet with my new laptop or my new computer that I built and some of the other things I have because it's been so cold and I don't want to leave it outside overnight, but we're getting to the point now where it's going to be 40, 50, 60 degrees overnight. And I'm comfortable with that. I'm not worried about that in terms of my computer uh, and some of the other equipment being out there. Uh, I have the canine paw spa people coming at 2 PM tomorrow to give my dog a bath. There's nothing better than a giant bus pulling in your driveway that has canine paw spa stuff all over it. And then uh, people in the neighborhood see it. I had one person come over and see it before I had even talked to the woman last time my neighbor was over there talking to her. Do you have a card? You know, that kind of thing. So um, I like that. Then I'll go to hothead and, in the uh in the evening mondays are going to become my new hothead night so i'll do that on on monday night tomorrow night and do some writing tuesday i'm going to work from home a uh, short lunch and then i have to leave right at four o'clock for my golf league it's about an hour away i'm sure i'll knock out another story good podcast during that time wednesday i'll work from home i'll write from uh, right at lunch at my little sub place uh, I changed my mind about joining the second golf league. Uh, the guy called me on Wednesday and said, Hey, you know, we're making out the rosters. Do you want to be on a team? And I just told him, no, put me down as a sub. I can't imagine I'm going to golf very much anyway. If you know, they might call me every week to golf. If somebody needs a sub, I don't really want to do that. I, one thing I realized, number one, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm basically planning something now every night of the week and I'm already working every day during the week. And then you add in 7am tea times on Saturday and Sunday, and then writing after both of them, I, I'm cramming everything into a week here and i just don't have the time to mm -hmm. to do this i'm also taking that time away from the thousands of dollars i put into my new golf simulator to where i can't use it because i never have the time so right. uh so I, I told him no thanks um and uh so that's why i'm not going to be golfing on wednesday nights thursday i actually have to drive into the office so i'll get up at 5 a.m try to be there by seven. I'll try to work a seven to four shift where I I'll take an hour and write at lunch. I'll take a lunch with me. I'll probably take a salad with me and then I'll try to write at lunch this week though. It's free lunch. They're offering free lunches to everybody all week since our, it's our first week back. And, um, I have coworkers that might want to have, Hey, let's have lunch together. You know, we're back in the office. You know, if that's the case, then I won't be able to write Thursday, but going forward after that, I'm going to try to write at lunch on Thursdays. Uh, let's see Friday. I'm back to working from home. I'll do hothead in the evening, Saturday and Sunday. I'll have my 7am tea time like normal. And then I'll write afterward in both cases. Um, we had a frost warning yesterday morning. So we were an hour later than that. We didn't start till eight o'clock. So that, that gets pushed sometimes a little bit later in the afternoon. The writing does, but it's okay. I'm going to, the two things I'm going to do on the weekends are golf and write. I don't know what my nights are going to be like. I don't care, but I need to do those things. And that gives me one, two, three, uh, four, five, I think that gives me five guaranteed writing sessions every week. And then six, once I start writing in the office at lunch and I always want to have six. So it's possible that I could find a way to get two in this week, maybe do a lunch and on Friday and an evening on Friday, something like that to get six. So, uh, my goal for the week is to get through chapter 18, eight chapter 18 is the last chapter that I actually wrote out the entire chapter. Then I started plotting at chapter 19 and got all the way through the end of just plotting. So my goal this week is to get 
through chapter 18, going through, adding in my notes, adding in the seating that I need to do. I may, after that though, I may, after I get through chapter 18, I may go back and read the first 18 chapters to myself out loud. It's something that I could do in the evening while I'm sitting here watching TV, just mute my TV and just read the entire thing. I want to make sure that, um, you know, if I read it out loud all in a row, I won't have any, I'll be able to hear any inconsistencies that maybe I missed. Uh, I'm afraid like that. I said, Oh, th this character, she started working there six years ago. And then four chapters later, Oh yeah. When you started three years ago and I want to make sure I can weed those things out. Um, and then after I, after I get finished with that reread, I'll dive back into chapter 19 and start writing actual chapters based on my new plot. So that's it. Um, I have a, a note here that I want to talk about real quick. I was thinking a couple of days ago that if I wrote, if I just sat on my couch in the evening and did one chapter per night, so get rid of golf night. So that's six nights a week. I could get this thing done in like five weeks. It's something that I really, really want to do. And I want to have done. There's no way in hell I'm going to do it because I know me, <laughs> but if I can get like three of them per week done, it'll speed me up big time. I'd love right. to have this done before I go to Spain on June 2nd. It's not going to happen, but I would love to have it done by the time I go to Spain. So. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, my week is going to be, uh, trying to get back on schedule that I dropped off of when I was trying to pushing to get book one done. So it's up in the morning, right for four hours or so, uh, hit the gym, then come back in the afternoon, work on remodeling or whatever other kind of household duties need to be done. Uh, then in the evening, uh, some reading and television, uh, keeping up with Father Brown and the other shows I've been watching. And the big goal for this week is gonna be trying to finish that outline by the time we next talk uh, next Sunday. Um, you know, one other thing I want to add to my goal for the week, which was to uh, finish the outline, is that I'm going to do this in steps, kind of like we talked about last week, where I'm going to put together first just a one or two sentences per chapter for the book, or actually per scene that I perceive uh, the story following. And then I'm going to go back, as you do, and expand those a little bit, maybe to a paragraph, and then maybe expand that again to a couple of paragraphs. And what I'm really hoping to get done by the end of the week is to have perhaps a page for each chapter in this prequel, at least uh, outlined within the chapter itself to give me a better feel for how the story is going to progress through each scene and how the scenes are going to be connected with each other. Now, knowing myself, what's going to happen is I'm going to get fascinated with a particular scene and want to write something on it. Uh, I'm going to really try to uh, avoid doing that until I get at least a couple of sentences down for each uh, scene or each stage of the story. But we'll see how that goes. Again, it's all an, ex it's all an experiment for me. Let me ask you this then, based kind of what, what you're saying here. If you were me and you were getting ready to write book two in the mystery series, and I was going to sit down and try to outline it, would you use the same Udemy video structure as the as the first one? Um, like I'm worried that if I was to do that, it would be basically a repeat of what I already wrote, but I'm also worried if I don't do that, I'm going to miss something. I don't think it would be a repeat. I don't think anybody, a reader would recognize it as a repeat, especially in a novel length story. Uh, what they're going to see or what they're going to at least subconsciously observe is that this story is progressing through stages that it should progress through you know i mean that's the whole point behind that udemy video right that people expect to see these kinds of things in a mystery mystery story roughly in this order with you know there's a lot of flexibility in there too you know to right. to wander around especially with within a particular chapter 
some of those again i have never finished the whole going through the whole thing but i know some of those chapters he talks about a lot of things and if you're actually going to write about all of them you'd have a ten thousand word chapter plus so yeah. you have to select selectively edit and depending on the story that you're telling you'll probably edit some things in one story and other things in the other story. So yeah, I don't think that's going to be a problem myself. All right. Cause that's probably what I'm going to do. I'm probably going to use it again. It'll, it'll be a lot quicker for me to outline this time because I could just run through it. I, I remember a lot of it. Right. Uh, I know where a lot of stuff's going, but yeah, I'm wondering, cause I, I'm thinking about the outlining process for the next one as you're talking. And uh, yeah. And, and before, before I go on the book too, I am going to take a closer look at that whole thing and uh, yeah, get an idea for, how he carries that through the end. I think I've only made it through his chapter 10 or 12, something mm -hmm. like that. So I get a sense for how he views it. And I, I, I can almost probably predict what he's going to say in, in some of the subsequent chapters, but I'm sure he's got insights that I don't have. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm going to watch that movie tonight. And I'm going to, you know, after watching the first Mystery 101 a couple of weeks ago and realizing, boy, it's so similar. I'm wondering if I watch this movie tonight, will it also be so similar? And maybe all these mysteries are like this. And I just never realized it because I was just enjoying the mystery. Right. So you know? what what uh, channel is this on? Uh, it's Hallmark Movies and Mysteries or Hallmark Mysteries okay. and Movies. It's not Hallmark. It's they have like their own mysteries channel. Okay. And um, it's all the same actors and actresses from the it's almost like you you start out with the love story and you get promoted to the mystery story. Okay. Because a lot of the mysteries actors and actresses are the ones I've seen in the previous move Hallmark movies. So Okay. So yeah. it, it, this channel is literally called Mystery 101? No, no, no. Is that's it? the name of the series. Oh, okay. Um, they did okay. like six or seven episodes of a series called Mystery 101. Okay. I'm gonna it's guess in they all yeah, it's on. It's oh, okay. yeah, HMM, Hallmark Mysteries right. and Movies, or Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. I'm not sure which, but yeah. Okay, yeah, and so. that, that's a sub subscription service, or it comes with my cable. So I'm assuming. Okay. I'm assuming. I'm gonna, it, see. I'm a, I'm gonna see if I can get get onto that or not. Yeah, because that'll, that'll give me a good overview for what this guy's doing in Udemy. If uh, if you say it follows it pretty closely, I'd be willing to bet there's an app for this. Like if you have a Roku or an sure. Apple TV or a Fire Stick, there's probably an app right. for it also. Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. All right. Well, yeah. I, I, Go on to uh, the best thing I wrote this week, and I don't know if I didn't really write anything this week, but I thought it was kind of fitting since I finished book one and sent it off to the developmental editor that I ought to give the last couple of lines, last three lines from the book. Spoiler free. Yeah, spoiler free. That's right. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, it is spoiler free because this is in the denouement, and it's really you know just kind of the, the final thing that I leave the reader with. So it goes something like this. Mary cleared her throat to get Megan's attention. I'm confident that Philippe's father raised a gentleman, but are you sure you don't need a chaperone? No, I mean, yes. Megan looked at Mary and grinned. Wait, what was the question? Nice, that's how it ends. That's how it ends, yeah. Nice, I like yeah. it. Uh, mine is is not, I don't know if it's the best thing I wrote this week. It's just something I really enjoyed. I added this in at the last minute when I was editing this chapter. I think it's chapter nine, that one that took me uh, you know, a while to edit. Um, it's with some of my side characters. They're, they're in a lunchroom. And um, they're they're talking to the main character, and the 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 horn is about to blow, signaling that the lunch is over, their break is over, so get back to work. And uh, so he says, um, <clears throat> she snuck past him and dropped her bag into the trash. Reggie moved toward the restrooms on the opposite side of the room, leaving his lunch bag on the table. Ben tossed his plastic bag into the trash. He opened the door and looked back at Sam, stopping Kay in her tracks. Watch what you say to this kid, Roach, he said to Eddie. He's much older than he looks and very curious. He stepped outside the door with Kay following behind him. How come you never hold the door for a lady? She yelled at him. Next time I'm in the company of a lady, I'll hold the door. You're an ass, Kay said. 
Just, yeah, it sounds yeah. like factory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, and there's a whole, what's funny is uh, there's so much backstory to every character I just mentioned, even though they're just side characters, they all have their own little backstory that I, I love a lot of this because I know what happens with them going, go, uh, going forward. So, right. Yeah. All right. I think that's all we have for the podcast. I will say that another goal that I'm going to add for myself for next week is to find a new way for us to podcast. Uh, I don't know if anybody could tell from the edits that I'm about to do, but unfortunately, Zoom is now limiting us to 40 minutes at a time. And we went approximately 90 to 95 minutes. Um, and that may just have to stop a couple times and cut and edit and all the fun stuff. So we need to find, uh, I think as of May 1st, is that what you saw? Yeah, as of May 1st, they, they made that change. And I'm not sure that even with a gun to our heads, we could go less than 90 minutes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, all right, that is all I have. Do you have anything else? No, nope, I'm all done. All right, you can contact me uh, if you want to email me or, or find me on Facebook or Twitter and talk to me about what, what anything that I, that I say on this podcast. Uh, you can, my website's jerryevanoff.com. You can email me, jerry at jerryevanoff.com. Uh, you can tweet me, jerrye25 on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Jerry Evanoff author. And if you like what Rich and I do here, and when Lindsay comes back, if you like what the three of us do here or the two of us or the one of us or whoever happens to show up each week, um, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Jerry Evanoff and you can donate a dollar or $2 or a million dollars. Anything that's donated to us will go to the, the buy Jerry, Rich and Lindsay dinner fund. The next time the three of us are together in the same room in person with each other. So yes. And you can email me at rich at richcasey.com uh, or hit me up on Facebook at richcaseyauthor. And in addition to the Buy Me a Coffee, if you like the podcast, take a few minutes and leave us a short review on iTunes or whatever place you pull the podcast from. It'll really help uh, get the show seen by other people. Uh, we want to spread the word, uh, the more the merrier in terms of listeners. So, Yep. And uh, yeah, thanks for, for listening this week and we'll see you all next week. Yep. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the new author podcast. Check back next week for another episode. And for more information, find Jerry at www.jerryevanoff.com and Lindsay at www.lindsayevanoff.com.